With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, Pitt pitted. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. In this episode, we're going to be talking about that Pitt versus NC State game, the disaster at the end. Really, the whole day was a disaster for Pitt. And uh, the previously undefeated, previously ranked Panthers are no more as they lost to the Wolfpack 30-29. to So we'll start with the broad sense. Pitt pitted. I, I just said it at the top. That's what this program does. That's what they always do. And they did it again. And it's especially frustrating when... For the first three weeks of this season, we were all sort of expecting the same pit, and it never happened. In the opening game against Austin P, you expected them to have a tough time, maybe even lose, like they did to Youngstown State. Uh, but no, they were able to win and win decisively. It was never a, a problem. Then game two against Syracuse, you expected them to have a really hard time for it to go right down to the wire, and that didn't happen. It, it wasn't a blowout, but you know, Pitt won pretty comfortably. And then last week against Louisville, you expected Pitt on this big stage with a huge opportunity right in front of them to blow it, especially at the end of the game when Louisville had the ball, they could have driven down the field, gotten the uh, gotten the win right at the end, and Pitt's defense stopped them, and Pitt did not collapse at the very end. And so we kept expecting it to happen, because if you're listening to this podcast, you know Pitt fairly well, and you know what Pitt does. And it never happened. It did not happen the first three weeks. And it seemed like maybe, just maybe, this is a different program. The program has turned a corner of sorts. And even Pat Narduzzi has talked about that. I mean, he knew he didn't... he hasn't used the, the lexicon. He hasn't talked about pitting, but he knew that sort of that reputation. The pit plays down to weaker opponents that they struggle at the end. You know, things like that. And so it seems like they have been actively trying to to stop that reputation and to change it. And yet, against NC State, a team that frankly is not very good, that Pitt should have beaten easily, the Panthers lost. And they threw threw away any national respect that they had. I mean, going into this game, you're talking about a team that was ranked, that was undefeated, that was starting to, to get a little buzz around the program. Hey, maybe this team can do something. Maybe they could, uh, you know, this defense is one of the very best in the nation. All that stuff. This was truly getting to a point where Pitt was getting a lot of national respect and attention. People were talking about the rankings. Pitt should have been ranked higher. And, and ultimately, all it all completely came down to, well, win and you'll keep going up. If you keep winning, you're going to keep climbing the rankings. That's simple. And ultimately what happened was Pitt controlled its own set, its own destiny, and they blew it. The Panthers lost to an extremely uh, beatable team. And so just a, an extremely frustrating game, uh, something that we've seen before. This is something we've seen time and time again with Pitt, really year in and year out, where there's at least one game they should definitely win. 
and they'll lose it. And oftentimes in a very ugly game and in a very, uh, you know, a late collapse. And that's what we saw. That's exactly what we saw. I think a lot of people were expecting it. Deep down, I was sort of expecting it. After Pitt went 3-0, and I was actually, I'm in a group chat with a couple of my friends from Pitt, and I said, so is it next week or the week after the Pitt's going to blow it? Because there was no way that Pitt was going to go in to Miami on that huge game and be 5-0 and 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 have this monster game. Could have been prime time Saturday night on ABC. There was no, that, no way that was going to happen. Pitt was going to lose one of the two winnable games coming up. I talked about it last week on the podcast. They had to take care of business. And one weekend, they did not. So, let's talk about the game. And we're going to break it down into three sections. We're going to break it down into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, well, well, let's start with the good. Let's start with the good. And there's not a ton. The one main good is Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett went out and had one of the better games of his pit career. He was phenomenal. He had to carry the entire offense on his back. And he went out there and he just did it. He put everything on the line, including his body. He took some big hits. And when he went out there to run, to scramble, QB sneak, he took some very big hits. But he got it done. And for Kenny Pickett, that that is a just a huge game for him, both just as a quarterback but also, also as a leader. He had a great game when it just came to leadership, that when the team was struggling, when the team needed him, he was able to step up. Kenny Pickett, you look at a stat line, over 400 yards passing. That is remarkable. 411 yards passing, plus 40 yards running. He had three total touchdowns, two of them on the ground, and a couple where he just had to punch it in. Like I said, he had to give his body, and he gave his body. So Kenny Pickett had a remarkable game, and uh, it really showed that there should not be any questions about who the starting quarterback is, that, that he really deserves everyone's respect because he is a quality starting quarterback, and he did what he had to do in that game. Not many people can say that, but he did what he had to do for Pitt to win that game. One other person who did what he had to do was Alex Kessman. Alex Kessman talked about it a bit last week, how after a miserable first two games for the kicker, he spoke to his sports psychologist, who he's worked with in the past, and then he comes out in the Louisville game when they needed him badly, and he made all three of his field goals. He kept it up in this game, made went two for two. Alex Kessman kept it up, and so uh, Kessman, he goes into the good category. You've got Kenny Pickett, and you've got Alex Kessman. Now time for the bad. We'll start with the defense. The defense was not good. They were not nearly as good as they should have been. This was after the Louisville game. You're talking about an explosive, high-powered Louisville offense that Pitt, for the most part, shut down. Outside of one bad play, Pitt really contained that Cardinals offense. And this seemed to be a defense that wasn't just one of the best in the ACC, but one of the best in the nation. And they did not look very good in that game on Saturday. Again, they weren't atrocious. That's why they're not in the ugly category, and there's plenty uh, to go around there. But they certainly deserve to go in the bad category. You look at the game against Louisville. Pitt's defense, where they were praised and players got awards and all that. Against Louisville, seven sacks and three interceptions from the Panthers' defense. In the game against NC State, a considerably worse offense, two sacks, zero interceptions. So you go from 7-3 to 2-0. and zero. That is a massive step down. 
for this pit defense that was supposed to be phenomenal. And they just looked all right. They just looked okay in that game Saturday. Again, against an NC State offense, they really should have been able to attack. And so Pitt's defense, just a bad game. They really did not perform to the level that they should. The other thing that goes into the bad is the play calling. Mark Whipple doesn't seem like he is the guy. And that that's tough. That's really tough for Pitt because they have tried so many people at offensive coordinator and nobody since Matt Canada left uh, some years ago, nobody seems to be able to do it. Now, is Mark Whipple as bad as Sean Watson, the previous offensive coordinator? No, that was the worst offense I've ever seen in my life. So there's no way that Mark Whipple is that bad. But when you're talking about a, a senior quarterback who can do a lot of things for you, and you're talking about some capable wideouts. And you're talking about a running game where you've got four or five different guys who should all be able to go and do something for you. And some of the play calls you saw when it was third and long and they just dumped it out into the flat. You're talking third and long and you have a pass that's behind the, the line of scrimmage. I have no idea what some of those play calls were. We'll talk about it in a second, but uh, in in the short yardage situations also, just some very bad play calling. I'm willing to have my mind changed. I'm willing to see what happens, but Mark Whipple has not been terribly impressive in last year and now, you know, a season and a third, whatever it is, and we'll see. I don't think they're going to make any changes mid-season, especially during the, the pandemic, but it it just does not seem like Mark Whipple is the offensive coordinator that the Panthers need, which is a shame because that just seems to be Pitt's Achilles heel. They just cannot find someone who can manage the offense well. You've got defense, that's set. Even though this game was poor, you've got a defensive-minded head coach, you've got a good defensive coordinator, you've got a great defensive line coach, you've got that side of the ball figured out. But you need a strong and smart offensive coordinator. And... It just seems like Pitt is never able to land on one. And then one other thing that's going to go into the bad, I won't put it into the ugly because, frankly, the ugly is pretty stuffed, but that is all the flags uh, because the flags just, they killed Pitt. Now, not at the at the very end. There was a flag here and there, but, and I, I don't know if this will be something that continues. We'll have to see. You have to imagine that Pat Narduzzi will make this a priority, that this team... Uh, is a lot more focused, a lot more disciplined, because those flags, early in the game, late in the game, just throughout the game, they killed them. A lot of pre-snap flags, and it it just made it such a drag. Pitt never was able to really get into a rhythm because of all the flags. And some of it was the refing, and I normally don't like to talk about the refs. I don't like to blame the refs. Some of it in this game was poor refereeing. There was no doubt about that. The refereeing was subpar in this game. And so some of the flags, the pass interference, stuff like that, uh, some of it does belong to the refs, for sure. But this team still has to be a lot more disciplined. And there were way too many penalty flags during that game. And so that's a problem. I think they'll clean it up, but that was certainly a problem. Now, moving on to the ugly. And there is a lot here. We will start with the running game. Talked about it against, after uh, Austin Peay to start the season. Pitt 
had, I think, five different players get a rushing touchdown. This seemed to be the team that Pat Narduzzi had always wanted to build, not just on defense, but on offense. He wanted to have a run-first, ground-and-pound offensive game where you establish the run early, you make that a threat, and your quarterback can still get a lot done. You, the, the passing game can still be a large part of your offense, but the running game is always there and no one can sleep on the running game and you can't really stop the running game. You can just move the chains all game long. That did not happen. And it's been a couple weeks now and it is not happening. The running game against NC State was, to put it frankly, non-existent. There was no running game. With all the running backs, and A.J. Davis, I believe, was not suited up for the game, but with everyone else, you've got all these players. You've got uh, Sibley. You've got um, uh, Vincent Davis. You've got Israel Abanaconda. You have all, you've got Daniel Carter. You've got all these running backs that should all be capable, and yet between all of them, they amassed a grand total of 52 yards rushing. Kenny Pickett himself had 40. The rest of the running backs, all four of them that suited up, had 52. You just cannot have that, really for any team, but especially if it's an offense that prides itself on establishing the run and being sort of a run-first offense. So the entire game plan is failing. When you are supposed to be known as a running team, that's your MO, that's your identity, and you just cannot run the football. 52 yards rushing, again, outside of Kenny Pickett, 52 yards rushing is just not acceptable for what this team needs to do and where they need to be. Tied in with the running game, the offensive line. The offensive line looked exceptionally weak, and this seems to be a problem that looks like it very well may continue as we move forward in the season, and that's especially troubling. When you talk about the run game, again, couldn't establish the run. They could not create any run gaps. When the rushing game needed one single yard, When you're talking about first and goal at the one, or anything at the one-yard line, that is entirely on the offensive line. Because the offense, almost all the time, unless you have a little bit of trickery and you roll out and you pass, almost all the time, the offense knows what you're going to do. The defense knows what you're going to do. Everyone knows what's coming. It is just incumbent upon the offensive line to get those blocks in, create a gap, and give your running back just enough space to get one yard, just enough of a hole to get one singular yard. That's really how you can tell. A lot of times, the offensive line, you'll see different things, and people who follow the game really closely can see it in a lot of different cases. But when you're at the one-yard line, that's how you can really tell, very obviously, how your offensive line is. And when your offensive line cannot create a gap, cannot create space for your running back to get one yard, just to get past the goal line, you can see the offensive line is a problem. And that kept happening. The offensive line, they just had to create enough space for one yard, and they couldn't get it done. So the running game tied in with the offensive line, definitely ugly. And on top of that, when you're talking about the offensive line, the passing protection was not there. For all the great things that Kenny Pickett did during that game, you have to give him even more credit because he had virtually no time. And so what he was able to do when he had almost no pass protection, the NC State defense got through almost immediately after the ball snapped. And he had to improvise, and he had to do whatever he had to do. But that offensive line, they didn't give Kenny Pickett time. They didn't create space for the runners. That is a big sign of trouble 
moving forward in the season. The offensive line just does not look like they've got it, plus the running game. And then when you combine those two things, I just talked about it briefly, also in the ugly category, short yardage situations. This was exceptionally ugly. Pitt had the ball first and goal from the one, and they couldn't score. And they went for it on fourth down. So you're not talking four tries where you started at the one-yard line and you couldn't punch it in. And I think the worst part about it was that everybody seemed to know that Pitt was doomed. At least Pitt fans (laughs) seemed to acknowledge when Pitt had the ball at the one-yard line, first and goal, that it was going to be exceptionally difficult to score. And we saw that last year. There was a problem with the offense last year, and it's a problem again this year. Pitt has trouble when they are in short yardage situations. Part of that is precisely because they can't establish a run game. And you only have so many passing plays when you are that close. You can't have your wide receivers just go out and run for for 15 yards and then hook back or curl or whatever because, uh, yeah, you're not in the field of play anymore. So in these short yardage situations, your passing playbook is severely limited and your running playbook I mean, you've got, you've got all the plays in the world, but if the running backs can't find space, if the O-line can't create space, it's not going to matter much. And so as bad as it was that Pitt could not score in four tries starting at the one-yard line, I think it was even worse that we all expected it. We all sort of knew that it was coming. That was exceptionally troubling for the Pitt Panthers. And so from short yardage, just a huge, huge problem there for Pitt. Another thing that goes into the ugly category, the drops. The drops, they've been a problem last year. They've been a problem this year. It seemed like maybe it would be better this year. It wasn't great. And some of them, it happens, I get it, and and you sort of move on. The big one was towards the end of the game. Pitt gets a touchdown, go-ahead touchdown, and they're up by five points. And... They have a chance to go up by seven to create a safe lead where even if NC State marches the ball down the field, as a lot of uh, people watching that game were expecting NC State to do, just because we know Pitt, even if that happens, you're still in the game. You go into overtime, and uh, you can still very much win that game. All they needed to do was get the two-point conversion. Taysier Mack, who earlier in the game had a remarkable catch, one of the better catches that I've seen in years by a Pitt Panther. He was basically upside down, and he made the catch. So he's got that incredible catch. We know he's got the hands. We know he's got the the maturity and all that. And yet he has the ball in his hands, should be in his hands, in the back of the end zone, ready to catch the two-point conversion to put Pitt up by a touchdown, and he never really gains control. He bobbles it. He runs into the referee, the the backline judge, and the the two-point conversion fails. That was a gigantic drop for Pitt because, again, even with the collapse, even with exactly what we all saw coming, that NC State could march down the field, they could have only tied it up unless, of course, they had gone for the two. But most likely, they just would have tied it up. Pitt would still be alive. They would have been able to get the ball back. They would have been able to go into overtime and see what happens. But the fact that Taysier Mack was supposed to be one of your senior wide receivers, your top wide receivers, who made a great catch just earlier in the game, and he could not 
catch that football. It was a very good pass from Kenny Pickett. It was right into his hands, and he dropped it. That was crucial, and that really killed the Panthers down the stretch. And then one more thing that goes into the ugly category. One more thing to wrap this up. The collapse. Sort of going in a chronological order here. You go, the running game could never get going, the short yardage, the drops, especially the Taysier Mac drop, and then the collapse. So after that Taysier Mac drop, Pitt was now up only five. NC State had to get a touchdown. They had to go the full length of the field. They couldn't just settle for a field goal. Had to get a touchdown. And so many Pitt fans knew what was coming. You've seen the the same play over and over and over again. You know how the story ends. And yet, just the week before against Louisville, I think everyone was saying the exact same thing, which was, okay, pits up, Louisville, they only have to march down the field. Of course, they're going to do it, even after a good game by the defense. In that case, it was a great game by the defense. Even after all that, they're going to collapse at the end. They're going to give up the game-winning touchdown, and that'll be it. We've seen it over and over. We've seen it against North Carolina. We've seen it against Duke. We've seen it against Georgia Tech. We've seen it a million times. We all seem to know it was coming. And yet against Louisville, I think it's safe to say they surprised us. The defense, as great as it is, we were all expecting them to collapse, and they did not. They got four stops, and they won the game. The defense won the game just by not collapsing at the end. Just one drive that you have to stop. Cannot end at a touchdown. Can end in anything else, just not a touchdown. And they were able to stop it against Louisville. They could not stop it against NC State. They even got the Wolfpack to the point of fourth down. And that could have been the game right there. I mean, that was the game right there. Because, again, a lot of Pitt fans figured... Okay, if, if NC State's going to get the first down here, that'll be it. They're, they're not getting to another fourth down. That ended up being the case. But on fourth down, Pitt had a chance to end the game right there, and they could not do it. This defense, as good as it can be, collapsed at the end. This Pitt team collapsed at the end. And it was sort of Freaky Friday that we saw just a flip, an inverse from that Louisville game. The Louisville game was the offense couldn't get it done. They, it was a four-minute offense They just had to run out the ball, drain the clock, and they would have won it. The offense could not do it, so then it came up to the defense, and the defense stepped up. This time it was the inverse. It was the offense's job to take the lead in the final minutes of the NC State game. They did it. The offense got it done. Wasn't too pretty, but they got it done. And then it was up to the defense to just hold on to that lead, not allow a touchdown in the final couple minutes. And they allowed the touchdown. In the final seconds, they allowed the touchdown. And so it was an inverse. In one case, offense didn't get it done. Defense stepped up. In this case, the offense stepped up, but then the defense couldn't get it done. Pitt collapsed. Pitt pitted yet again. We all knew what was coming. You sort of hoped to be wrong, just like in the Louisville game. It didn't happen. They collapsed against NC State. And in the final moments of the football game, Pitt lost the lead. They could not get it back. And... Just a really ugly, the whole game was ugly, but a really ugly way to end it. To see Pitt pitting again, the trademark collapse from the Panthers. There was some good, there was a lot of bad, there was a ton of ugly. So we'll see, heading into next week, the Panthers have their first road game of the season. They head up to Boston College. The good news for the Panthers is there are not a ton of cases in Massachusetts. They're very strict when it comes to COVID protections. So 
when you talk about teams staying in hotels and on, an, I don't know if they'll fly or on a bus or whatever, you should be uh, expecting that the Panthers will be able to stay safe. This is an, uh, an opposing team that you should have to worry about. The Boston College is, they're a pretty good football team. And this is going to be a, a challenge for Pitt because you've already blown the game that you're supposed to win. That is the game that, you know, NC State, they had the two games you're supposed to win, NC State, Boston College. We sort of all expected, okay, Pitt's going to lose one of these because going 5-0, and that's just not happening. Pitt doesn't always beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Well, Pitt's already blown it against NC State. So now how do they bounce back? Are, do they use this game as a reminder that we have to play our absolute best game against everyone, whether it's Louisville or NC State or whether it's Clemson? or Austin P got to play the very best game. Are they able to come back and bounce back even on the road? I don't believe Boston College has any fans in the crowd. But are they able to do that and make the comeback? Or do they lose two games in a row where they're both favored? Because Boston College, this is a pretty good team. They've got a new coach. They just had a remarkably tight game against North Carolina. UNC, which is ranked 12th going into that game, they are now ranked 8th. They played Boston College on Saturday. BC could have very well uh, won that game. It came down to the end. Boston College got a touchdown to tie uh, to, to put them in a position to tie the game. They had a two-point conversion, and what ended up happening was uh, uh, Jerkovac, I believe is how it's pronounced, the uh, Boston College quarterback from Pittsburgh, threw an interception on the two-point conversion. UNC ran it back, and so the Tar Heels ended up winning by four. But that was a, a position where Boston College could have won it in the final seconds, or excuse me, tied it, and sent that game into overtime against the now number eight team in the country. And they didn't quite get it done, but this is a good Boston College team. And especially coming off a game where they were so close to getting a big win and they lost, they're going to be hungry. They're going to be motivated. Pitt opens up at, I believe it's a five-point advantage, a five-point favorite uh, in the uh, the betting odds. I don't know about that. I think this is, even though Pitt is probably more talented, this is probably a toss-up game. And then when you factor in the the line, I think there's a fairly good chance uh, that Boston College covers. I, I I, can see Pitt winning this game. I'm not sure I see Pitt winning this game by a touchdown. I think maybe it's really close. Maybe it comes right down to the end. I don't think uh, Pitt will dominate Boston College. I, I just don't. I think Boston College is a very good team. I think they're coming off heartbreak. I think Pitt is coming off an exceptionally frustrating game. The Panthers are on the road for the first time. There are going to be a lot of changes to their routine, especially in this COVID era. I think this is going to be a tough game for Pitt. But again, can they get it done? They should be able to get it done. We're not expecting Pitt to blow out Boston College, but they should be able to get the win. Can they? Because they were supposed to be able to get the win against NC State, and they could not. If Pitt just got that win, as ugly as it was, we would have burned the tapes, never spoken about it again, you're 4-0. That's all Pitt has to do. They don't even have to make it look pretty. No Pitt fans are asking for that. This isn't Clemson or Ohio State where you want to dominate team. Pitt just has to win against the teams that they are better than. And Pitt should be better than Boston College. They should win this game. But we'll see. 
We'll absolutely see, because they should have won the NC State game, and they didn't. The good news for Pitt fans is if you are a late sleeper like myself, you get to sleep in, because for the first time this season, in Week 5, Pitt is not playing a noon game. They are playing at 4 o'clock on the ACC Network. Still, obviously, uh, tough for a lot of people to watch that if you've got Comcast or a couple other services. So that's very frustrating, but 4 o'clock is the game. Uh, so you can sleep in, you can spend some time just hanging around the house or running some errands, come back, watch Pit at four, and uh, then you still have the rest of your evening ahead of you. So just uh, a, a big game in sort of an odd sense coming up for Pitt. This isn't a game that a lot of people are going to be watching or a lot of people care about, but it's a chance for Pitt to get back on track after uh, the, the train wreck that was that NC State game. Uh, Panther of the Week before we go got to be Kenny Pickett, no doubt about it. He was excellent, really the only bright spot of that game. Kenny Pickett gave it his all, did what he had to do. He is Panther of the Week. So that is it for this episode of Unscripted. Uh, I will be back next week on Monday, uh, again Monday afternoon uh, to Monday morning, Monday afternoon to talk uh, all about the Pitt-Boston College game. Uh, until then, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Corey E. Cohen, C-O-R-E-Y-E-C-O-H-E-N. And uh, you can also check out Cardiac Hill. Comment there. Uh, just keep up with the site because a lot of great stuff being posted there. So until next week, see if Pitt can get back on track. I'm Corey Cohen, signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.